Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitting on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Alrighty guys, my name is Ann Robinson and it is time for a new episode of the Auto Bid. As you can tell, I'm rolling solo this week. My brother Andrew Robinson is out in Milan. It's fashion week out there, so he's got some uh, some stuff going on. Obviously, as you guys know, he played professionally over in Portugal. and you know, So he took a little weekend trip there on their FIBA break over there in Europe, so he decided to take a weekend trip to Milan. I'm extremely jealous because I'm sitting over here in Baltimore, um, currently recording this episode, getting ready to head down to watch uh, some Georgetown basketball, so excited about that. You know, I'll get to watch some basketball tonight, Um, you know, get some good food. Georgetown, I will say, does have some great media food down there at the Capital One Arena, so looking forward to that. Also looking forward to this great episode we got today. We have an interview that you will not want to miss. Robert Jones, the head coach at Norfolk Mm -hmm. State, is going to sit down with us on today's episode, he's going to talk about you know his team's historic start to the season. They are currently 18 and six, off to the best start in program history. I want to say um, nine and two in MEAC play, but um, they were nine and four in non-conference play, which I believe um, was a record for Norfolk State. But going to talk about the season that, that his team is having uh, this year over at Norfolk State. Also going to talk about some more important issues, you know, like why um, HBCU, specifically MEAC and SWAC head coaches, um, have such a hard time getting. Uh, bigger jobs and getting other job opportunities, you know, when these head coaching opportunities come open in the spring. So we can talk about that, the HBCU Classic, um, and what type of exposure that brought for HBCU. So super excited to get you guys to that interview a little bit later on the show. Also going to dive into our mid-major top 25 rankings for this week. We had some some uh, huge risers and a lot of movement this week, so going to get you into that. But before we do all that, as always, have to remind you guys to make sure you guys are subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to the auto bid. Make sure you give us a, a, a subscribe, you know, uh, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, um, give us a rating, five stars only, please. It does uh, go a long way. We try to, you know, get this podcast out to the right audience and make sure that we are, you know, expanding um, and, and really getting a lot of ears on this, on this information because me and Drew do, you know, put a lot of work uh, each week into getting this content out to you guys and trying to, you know, come in mid-major basketball to the best of our ability. So definitely um, all your, your support is, is is appreciated and any like, retweet on social media is appreciated, man. So, you know, thank you guys for all the support that you've given us up to this point, man. And let's let's, let's keep rolling this thing, man, and keep growing uh, this platform and this podcast as we give you the best mid-major content from a weekly basis, um, week in and week out. So um, also I want to remind you guys to make sure you guys to tap into my guy Pull Up Tay's music. That was him on the intro, going to be him on the outro again. One of the hottest artists out of Montgomery County. I'll make sure you guys are streaming his new project, Why Stop Now. It's out on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you, you know, consume your music, YouTube. Uh, pull Up pull up Tay is going to be on there. And make sure you guys are supporting 
uh, his music because he's one of the hottest up-and-coming artists that we have uh, coming out of the DMV right now. But I mentioned, man, we, we, we had a lot of movement uh, this week in our top 25 rankings, man. There were a bunch of teams uh, that were risers, uh, some, some teams that had dropped after a tough week. So first, let me read you guys these rankings, and then we'll dive into you know the biggest risers and fallers uh, of this week's action. So week 16, mid-major rankings. We only got a few of these left. I don't know if we're going to do one more or two more, depending on obviously the championship week stuff. I um, don't know if we're going to do one. You know, leading up to the March Madness tournament or, you know, stop next week or what. So, only got a few of these left. But coming in, week 16, number one, Murray State. Number two, North Texas surges to the second spot in our rankings this week. Three, we got St. Mary's. Four, Boise State. Five, South Dakota State. Six, Wyoming. Seven, San Diego State. Eight, Davidson. Nine, Belmont. Ten, Colorado State. Eleven, Loyola Chicago. Twelve, Iona. Thirteen, New Mexico State. Fourteen, Vermont. 15, Kent State, 16, Toledo, 17, Towson, 18, Ohio, 19, San Francisco, UAB comes in at number 20, Wagner out of the NEC at 21, Cleveland State repping the Horizon League at 22, Northern Iowa at 23, Chattanooga out of the SoCon at 24, and at 25, we have the Montana State uh, um, out of the out of the um, big sky, I'm not sure their mascot. I want to say it's like the Bears or something like that, but I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong. But Montana State, um, huge love to them, airing the poll for the first time this week at number 25. So, gonna go ahead and dive right into these, man. I mean, there, there were a bunch of, of of risers, but none bigger than North Texas, who surges up to number two uh, in this week's rankings. Man, they come in at 20 and four on the season, 13 and one in Conference USA. They've now won 12. Straight games, man. This team is going to be a team that is going to be dangerous come March, man. I mean, people don't really understand. Uh, obviously, this team is a, a team who won a game in the NCAA tournament last year. They were a 13 seed and they, they de- defeated Purdue in that 13 4 round um, of the first round, I mean, of, of the NCAA tournament last year. And then they lost four starters, man. They come back this year and they find themselves still in first place in Conference USA, man. This team is, is going to be a tough out um, in March, man, because they really defend. I mean, they're 19th nationally. Um, in defensive efficiency right now, um, they currently are. Uh, they also are great at guarding three-point line and holding opponents to 28.6% um, from th- from a three-point line, which is absolutely outstanding. Anytime that you can, you know, guard a three-point line and, and limit the amount of threes that you give up each game, that's going to be huge in terms of, you know, just making sure that when you when you run up against a team in the, in the tournament, that you know you're giving yourself a chance to to compete in each and every game. And they also lead the conference in, in three-point percentage. Um, and offensive rebound percentage and free throw percentage, man. So they make threes, they attack the glass, and they, they, they are great at drawing fouls, man. So, you know, anytime that you have a team that can defend, uh, but they can also make threes and offensive rebound and they get to the line, they're going to be extremely tough out. But the thing that makes them, you know, the hardest to prepare for is that they're 358th in the country in tempo. There's only 358 Division One teams. So they have the slowest tempo in America. They average about 59.3 possessions. Per 40 minutes, to give you a little bit of an idea of how how slow that is, St. John's currently leads the country in, in tempo at 73.7 possessions per 40 minutes, and they're about you know what, not 20, they're about I'm, I'm bad at math here, 14 possessions fewer per 40 minutes, which is absolutely astounding. So obviously, you know Grant McCallum comes from that Baylor system with Scott Drew, and you know they're, they're going to defend you, man. They're not there. Obviously, Baylor plays, plays a little bit faster now with the guard play that they have, but North Texas, man, extremely stout. Defensively, can make the three. Um, they're going to attack the glass and they're going to get to the foul line, man. And they 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 are going to be a tough out 
um, in March. So watch out for North Texas out of Conference USA, man. They're, they're, they're even entering um, at-large territory now um, with, with the body work that they've put up over the course of the season. So even if they were to lose to a team like a UAB in the, or a Louisiana Tech you know, in the uh, Conference USA final, they'll have a shot to, to still get in the NCAA tournament, man. And when they do, they're going to be a dangerous team, man. So if you're looking to, for teams to kind of watch as you fill out your brackets, they are certainly one of them this season, man. The second team, South Dakota State. They rose all the way into the top five um, of our rankings this week, man. South Dakota State um, is a team that has been extremely hot. Um, they're one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Um, I, I don't have their record in front of me, so let me go ahead and look that up for you guys really quickly. Um, but they're, they're a team, man, that's not getting enough attention nationally. I spoke about them this week on the uh, Field 68 mid-major show with my guy Sean Parsons. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, watched that show yet, make sure you go ahead and tune into that um, on the Field 68 YouTube channel. It also should be on their Twitter page as well, but South Dakota State comes in at 25-4, and 16-0 and in the Summer League, man. They've won 16 straight games, man. I mean, that's absolutely outstanding. Anytime you, you've hit the 25 win mark before March, I mean, that, that, that's something that is, that is extremely um, impressive, man. South Dakota State, man, going undefeated so far in league play at 16-0, and man. They're playing some great basketball right now, and they're going to be a team that's going to be extremely uh, tough to beat in March because they are elite, elite, elite offensive team, man. I mean, they lead the the summer league in offensive and defensive efficiency. They're 14th nationally um, in offensive efficiency, so they're not only one of the best offensive teams in their in their conference, but they're one of the best offensive teams in the entire country. Um, they lead the entire country in effective field goal percentage at about 60%, and they lead the country in three point percentage at 44.3% from three, which is unheard of, man. I mean, these guys are not are knocking down you know the, the three at 44 at a 44% clip, man. They're going to be extremely um, Extremely hard to beat, man. They average about 87 points a game in conference play, and they're outscoring their conference opponents by about 14 points per game, man. So they are leaving no doubt uh, out there in the summer league that, that they are the best team. And they also have two of the best players um, in the league, in Baylor Shyman and Douglas Wilson. Obviously, we know Max Aismith uh, from Oral Roberts is also in that conference. So, you know, those two, along with Max Aismith, are, are, are certainly probably the three best players in that league. But Shyman and, and Douglas Wilson are going to give the, um, South Dakota State, you know, one of the best one-two punches um, in basketball when they when they hit March. So, South Dakota State, man, because of how great they are offensively, they're a team certainly to watch because of how good they shoot the ball um, and also because, you know, they are they are capable of, of you know, defending you uh, at, at a good enough rate where, you know, they'll be able to win some games. So, watch out for South Dakota State in the NCAA tournament because they're another team that if they get in, you know, obviously they're probably going to have to win their conference tournament. I don't think that they're an at-large um, candidate yet. So, um if they get into the tournament, man, they're going to be a team that could potentially shake some stuff up in your bracket, man. But one team, man, that and, and, and obviously I said that North Texas was arguably our biggest riser, man, but Kent State, um, they're all the way up to number 15 in our poll, man. This is the first time they've even been in our poll this season, man. They're all the way up to number 15 this week because they had an absolutely huge week. Um, they beat Toledo and Ohio, who are the best two teams in the MAC um, right now by a combined 36 points. Over the weekend, man, they beat Ohio by 23, and they beat Toledo by 13, and Kent State has now won nine straight games. They're sitting at 18-9, and 13-4 um, in MAC play, just a game behind Toledo and Ohio in the loss column in the MAC, man. But Kent State is one of the hottest teams in America right now, man. They're playing some great basketball, and should they obviously, you know, end up in a, in a tie, I mentioned their one game back of Toledo and Ohio, they would have the tiebreaker um, for that top seed in the MAC because, they swept Toledo and they split with Ohio on the season, um, so they're they're three and one against you know uh, Toledo and Ohio. 
Toledo, by, by contrast, uh, they swept Ohio, but they got swept by Toledo. So, I mean, excuse me, but they got swept by Kent State. So they're, they're sending that two and two against those two teams in Ohio, who most thought were the, were the best was the best team in, in that league. Um, they got swept by Toledo, and they split with Kent State. So they're one and three against those three opponents. So if those two teams, if those three teams, excuse me, end up in a three-way tie atop the MAC, Kent State will get the one seed. If it ends up in a two-way tie between Ohio and Toledo, obviously Toledo will get the advantage because they swept Ohio head to head. But Toledo, man, um, Toledo, Ohio, and Kent State, man, are, are three teams that. All could potentially win that win that league, man. And that conference tournament is going to be extremely fun. Um, I think if I had to pick a team, I think I would still put my money on Ohio just because of that experience, man. I mean, anytime they're coming off of, a, of an NCAA tournament last year, um, well, they well they got to win, man. Obviously, obviously, Jason Preston was um, at the helm last year uh, at Ohio, and he's no longer there. But uh, Mark Sears is one of the best players in that league, man, and um, he's going to be uh, in the running for conference player of the year um, at Ohio, man. And, We've also seen them do it in the non-conference, man. I mean, they beat they beat Belmont the first game of that of, that, of the season um, this year. Um, Belmont is a team that is, is an NCAA tournament caliber team. Cleveland State, the best team in the Horizon League right now, lost to Ohio um, in the non-conference, man. And they also beat Mount St. Mary's, who we saw win the NEC. They were in, 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 the, in the tournament last year. So this team is beating some good teams, man. Um, um, we, we haven't seen Kent State and Toledo do. No, no, neither of those two teams have um, the caliber of wins that, Kent, that, uh, Kent, that Ohio has, excuse me, in the non-conference, and also they, they don't have the experience that Ohio has having won the league last year and won a game in the dance last year. So if I had to pick one team in the MAC, I think I would roll with Ohio right now because of that experience and because we've seen them do it against quality teams um, in the non-conference, man. And last but not least, Montana State out of the big sky, man. They entered the poll at 25 this week for the first time this season, man. They're coming in at 21-6, and six, uh, 13-3 in the big sky, um, winners of 12 of the last 13 games. They had won 11 straight before they took a tough loss on the road at Eastern Washington, but then they bounced back uh, with, a, with a win against a very good Southern, Southern Utah team. So uh, Montana State is still in the driver's seat over there in the big sky. Um, they also, I mean, we talked about South Dakota State earlier, a team that's a, that's a very good three-point shooting team. So is uh, Montana State, man. They shoot the three at 30, 38% clip as a team, man, which is 12th nationally. And they also guard the three very well. Um, opponents are shooting 32.2% from three against them, which is the best um, in the big sky right now. So they shoot the three very well, and they guard the three very well. Um, so they're going to have an opportunity to be to be dangerous um, come March, man. And obviously, um, them, we, Weber State are also going to have have a shot to you know make some noise in, in that league come kind of tournament time. But you know, Montana State certainly deserves their flowers right now um, for, for the way that they're playing right now. Again, 21-6 and six right now, winners of 12 in their last 13 games. They're playing their best basketball as we hit the stretch run, uh, as we head towards March, um, which is where the madness is going to happen, man. So, you know, those, those three teams um, were huge risers this week. Um, South Dakota, excuse me, those four teams, uh, North, North Texas, South Dakota State, um, Kent State, and Montana State um, all had great weeks and all are, are riding some huge momentum um, at this point in time in the season, man. So, um, that. that that was going to do it for the rankings talk, but one thing that, 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 that I want to touch, touch on before we get into the interview with uh, Coach Rob Jones is, is the Mountain West, man. The Mountain West, obviously, all year has been um, an, an outstanding league, um, and there obviously been a conversation about, you know, the four-bid Mountain West. Um, is it going to happen? I think I think we're comfortably at three right now. I think right now Colorado State, Wyoming, and Boise State should all be feeling pretty good about where they are right now. I think all three of those teams are on the right side of the bubble. San Diego State is the one team that I think is teetering right now. And, you know, obviously they, they had a huge opportunity um, this past weekend uh, to pick up a quad one win. Because right now, 
they only have two quad one wins. So, excuse me, they, they have three quad one wins, but they're three and six um, in quad one. And they had a huge opportunity uh, to pick up one this weekend, but they lost to Boise State by one uh, on Tuesday. Man, that, that, that was a big loss for them uh, just because of the fact that, that, like I said, they only had three quad one losses. So, anytime you had an opportunity to get a road win, um, you know, at this time of the season, man, that that, that would have been huge for them. But, again, um, San Diego State right now, the thing with San Diego State, you know, the, the, the net um, likes them right now. I mean, they're, they're still second in the net um, in the Mountain West behind Colorado State, who is currently at 30. Um, they're sitting at 31. And right behind them is Boise State coming in at 32 in the net. But um, their problem is they only have five wins in Quadrant 1 and 2. They have three Quad 1 wins, but they only have two wins in Quadrant 2. Boise, by contrast, has 10. Colorado State has 10. And Wyoming has 8. Um, in the first two quadrants, man. San Diego State's best wins right now are Colorado State, who um, who they beat by 30 in January. They also beat St. Mary's um, in December on a neutral court. And they beat Utah State um, a few weeks ago, obviously, in league play. But those are their only three quad one wins right now. So, you know, they have opportunity on Monday. They're going to go to Wyoming. And this might be a must-win game um, for San Diego State, man. Because, like I said, they don't have too many opportunities to pick up too many more quad one wins. They're going to get Fresno State at home, which should be a quad two win. So have an opportunity here to really get, you know, two wins um, in quad one and quad two, which would get them to seven as we head toward the Mountain West tournament. And then they'll probably have an opportunity, hopefully, if, if they can advance, um, to see either either a Boise or a Colorado State or a Wyoming in the tournament and potentially get, you know, two, two eight um, in those first two quadrants. So if you can get, you know, two, um, you know, four or five quad one wins, I think, I think that will get it done for them. Um, but they have some work to do, man. So I'm, I'm worried about San Diego State right now. If you lose this game to Wyoming, now you're really putting yourself in a position where you might have to win the Mountain West tournament um, or potentially beat two two out of your, you know, Wyoming, Boise, Colorado State um, mixes. If you see, you know, a, a Wyoming maybe in the semis and then, and then a Colorado State in the in the championship, um, you might, you're probably going to have to win the Mountain West um, if you want to get an at-large every San Diego State because I think that their body of work doesn't really stack up to the other teams that are sitting on the bubble right now. Like I said, only three quad wins, only five wins in the first two quadrants. So they have some work to do. But, again, man, they're a very talented team, elite defensively. And if anybody can pick up, you know, um, a, a much-needed win, I think they are certainly a team that could do so. So something to watch going forward. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of games that are going to happen this weekend that are going to have some implications on the bubble. We'll get to those a little bit later. Um, but right now, I think, you know, we've done enough waiting. Man, I think it's time to get you guys – into this interview with Rob Jones, man. We mentioned the, the season that Norfolk State is having, man. Um, 18 and six overall record right now, and currently atop the MEAC um, at nine and two. So they are no stranger trainer to success. They won the MEAC last season um, and punched a ticket to the NCAA tournament where they where they got a win over Appalachian State um, in that first four, man. And um, Coach Robert Jones spoke to us about um, that win over Appalachian State in last year's run and. Also, the run that you know his season's on, his team's on this season. So, without further ado, um, here is Norfolk State's Rob Jones. All righty, guys. As promised, we are here with Norfolk State head coach Robert Jones. Obviously, Drew and I competed against Coach Jones when we were at Coppin for our long season in 2019-2020. We, we we had some good battles. Coach Jones' squad beat us twice, and uh, we we're supposed to play in the, in the MEAC tournament that year, but COVID obviously wiped that out. But uh, Coach Jonas' squad is off to a, to a great start this season, man. And uh, obviously, uh, Coach Jonas obviously uh, 
also has a great story. Um, I talked to you at, at the Cobbett Norfolk game the other day, and uh, you're from Jamaica, Queens. Uh, one, of my, one of our best friends, uh, Aaron McClure, is from Jamaica, Queens as well. And so, obviously, you know, you had a, you, you also, uh, from my standpoint, grew up single parent house, household. Um, Drew and I also grew up in a single parent household and kind of really had to, um, had to grind to get to where you are now. So, um, obviously, been at Norfolk State since, since 2007. Um, been there for a long time and had, had a ton of success, but kind of walk me through, um, obviously, your, your journey. I mean, obviously, you've grown up in Jamaica, Queens. You coached in high school and coached AAU and you know, did, a, did a bunch of things to you know, make your way and get to the top where you are now. So um, just kind of talk me through your, your journey a little bit and what brought you uh, to Norfolk State University today. Uh, I mean, like you said, I grew up in, you know, South Jamaica, Queens. Um, you know, as far as the, the coaching path, uh, I, I didn't... I didn't want to be a coach, you know, I think that I was kind of just suckered into being a coach, to be honest with you. Um, I think that um, uh, I was started off as a player, you know, I played at uh, a Division three school in SUNY New Paltz, New York, and um, one of my assistant coaches from up there got a, a head job at head job at Bard College, and um, he had asked people to come over to help him out a little bit um, my last year at New Paltz, and, um, you know, I went from that just helping him out because I was in you know, pretty good shape and was able to play against the guys and stuff like that. To like, then he asked me to go recruiting with him and then he asked me to sit on the bench with him and then asked me to, you know, do a scout with him and then come to practice and now I'm a coach, you know. And then, you know, like after that is like, um, uh, you know, I started, whatever I do, I try to, do, try to do it the best of my ability. So I, I started to get into it more. And then I was able to um, <clears throat> go from, uh, from there to, uh, I went back to my alma mater for two years. And then I went to uh, St. Mary's High School in New York. Um, in Manhattan, New York for, for three years. I was the freshman head coach and the um the varsity head coach for two years at when the when the, the other coach, um, Tim Cluse, uh was the coach there left. And I know when you guys played at Quinnipiac, you guys played against Tim Cluse at Iona. So I had worked for Tim Cluse. That was my guy who gave me my first head coaching job. And then when he left um to go to uh, I think he went to junior college first and then he went to CW Post in Iona. I took over the program there. And then after that I came to uh, Norfolk State as assistant coach in 2007. Um, uh, the, the, the coach there at the time was my assistant coach in college. He, he actually coached me and we kind of kept, kept in contact. And he said that if, uh, you know, he ever got a division one head job, he would look out for me, you know, and stuff like that. As I moved up the coaching ranks myself, um, you know, him getting a job was, you know, unexpected, you know, no one knew. I mean, it was, there's only 358 of these jobs in the world. So it's like, you know, it's not guaranteed by any means, but he ended up getting it. And then I came down as an assistant coach and, um, you know, I was there for the six years as assistant, and then he went on to FIU, and um, you know, I got elevated to the head job, and the rest is the the rest from from here. You know, like I've been here for you know that. So even though you know I've been here fifteen years, it don't really feel like fifteen years because it's like two different capacities. Um, you know, it was like you know six as an assistant, and then it felt like okay, you know, you do an assistant, you get a new job as a head coach. So even though it's at the same place. It, 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 so it doesn't really feel like 15 years, like, you know, like 15 years as an assistant coach or 15 years as a head coach, because it hasn't been, it's been, you know, uh, half and half, really. Yeah. Now, I got to talk to you, you know, uh, about, about you guys this year, man. You guys are having an absolutely outstanding year. You guys are sitting at 9-2 right now in the MEAC, 18-6 overall. And, I mean, I want to talk to you guys, because you guys had an absolutely historic non-conference schedule. I mean, you guys beat a plethora of Division One teams. You guys beat William and Mary out of the CAA. Hampton out of the Big South. UNC Wilmington, who's currently, I think, tied with Towson at the top of the CAA right now. You guys have some, some really big-time wins um, yeah. in, in the conference. Um, just talk about what your team was able to do 
in the non-conference, I mean, you guys are approaching 20 wins now um, for the year. But, I mean, just talk about, you know, just obviously now you guys are obviously in me, I play. But talk about what you guys were able to do um, kind of in the non-conference and just on this run that you guys are on now, um, which is, you know, literally, I mean, one of the best runs that we've seen uh, in the MEAC. I mean, it's just been the guys just buy it in and lock it in. You know, um, I mean, we had a – I think the guys would also prove that, um, you know, last year wasn't a fluke or anything like that. You know, I think that a lot of people don't realize it. I don't think we get enough credit for as a program, not just, you know, myself or anything like that, get enough credit for as a program. that We lost four starters from last year. People – just see like, oh, 18 and six, nine and two. Okay, that's what Norfolk State does or whatever. And that's not what we do. We're not usually 18 and six. So that's not what we do. Now, nine and two, we, we know we've done that plenty a lot, but we're not just 18 and six. And we lost four starters. So people, when they, when they voted us preseason number one and stuff like that, it was just like really, I think because we're the defending champs and not because of us necessarily fully earning or, the, or deserving of that preseason number one. Um, pick because honestly Morgan returned everybody just about so they should have been preseason number one but um I think it was really more about um the guys just trying to prove themselves that, that last year wasn't a fluke and so we were we you know we had a, a non-conference schedule that was a tough mid-major schedule um so we had some guarantee games but they were actually put you know towards the back end of that schedule so we were able to kind of gain, gain momentum um already on 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 that you know and it was like uh, you know we played UNC Wilmington and and like you said, they are on top of the CAA right now, and we beat them at their place. And that's another thing that we don't get enough credit for. Because I, you know, I look at, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll lie to you if I say I don't look at like some of the bracketology projections just in case we do get in. You know, I think every coach looks at it. They're lying if they don't look at it. You know, they might not look at it all year, but around this time, if you're in first place and you think that you got a chance at making it, you start looking, you know, at, at the stuff. And to see like UNC, they got, you know, UNC Wilmington like projected over us as like a 15 seed, and that was like, we just we beat them you know like and our record is better than them so you know what's what's going on with that but that's a whole another uh podcast i guess with, with that situation but um the guys have been just locked in and um you know we have obviously we had a couple uh stumbles in conference you know two well you know two i guess but um i think that we're we're, we're very much locked in for the, this final week of the of the season because we know it's at hand i mean we we're on the verge of winning a regular season championship those, those are tough to get and then, you know, we'll worry about the, the, the scope when the scope comes. Now, you mentioned you lost four starters, but you did return two of your your, your guards in uh, Joe Bryan, Jalen Hawkins. Both of those guys are having outstanding seasons this year. And both of those guys uh, are, are, you know, potentially all MEAC caliber guys. Joe Bryan might, might be the MEAC player of the year this year. But talk a little bit about the seasons that those guys are having and, you know, the importance that those guys had, you know, kind of being two of the, long, the, two of the guys that came back that played big minutes for you last year and kind of stepping that into this season um, being able to lead your, your your bunch this year, you know, I, I say it, I say it all the time. But I'm not afraid to say it. Joe Bryant is the MIAC player of the year. Like if he's not the MIAC player of the year, it's going to be a travesty. If he's not the MIAC player of the year, he's the best player on the best team. You know, like I mean, what more do you want? What else? What else constitutes player of the year? But the best player on the best you know team. You know, and, and so and he's the leading scorer in conference. I mean, if you want, because I know some people just look at numbers and stuff like that. But so okay, so he checked. You know three boxes, you know, he's not the MEAC player of the year. It's, it's a travesty, but, um, you know, Jalen, Jalen Hogan's, you know, he, he should definitely be a MEAC uh, or MEAC guard. Now, you know, um, everybody's taste is different. So, you know, who knows what team he'll fall on, but he should definitely be there too. You know, honestly, you know I mean? Like I said, everybody's taste is different. So maybe whether it's first team, second team or whatever, you know, I think he should definitely be there. So it helps to have a, a solid backcourt, man, because you know, you know how it is, man, the, the backcourt runs, College basketball. If you got a good backcourt, the frontcourt is icing on the cake. 
Like, if you got a good backcourt and a good frontcourt, then you're pretty, like, you're a really good team, you know, be, but, um, you know, you got to have a good backcourt because the backcourt controls the, controls the game. And um, you know, a lot of people have good backcourts, but I think that we have one of the, one, you know, one of the best in, in the MIAC. Yep. And I got to ask, Coach, obviously, you know, from, from you know, me and my brother's lone year in the MIAC um, and just watching the MIAC over the last couple of years, you know, Central had kind of had a stronghold on the MIAC for a while in the conference tournament, um, you know, winning, I think, I think they won four straight. And for you guys last year, you know, uh, being able to finally kind of get that monkey off the back and, and you guys won it, was able to advance the NCAA tournament and not only win the MIAC, but you guys were able to get a win in the NCAA tournament, obviously in that game over Appalachian State. What was that moment like for you? Obviously, that, that was your first, you know, NCAA tournament uh, win as, as a head coach. Um, just what was that moment like for you guys, you know, after last season, being able to accomplish that, um, you know, first of all, being able to kind of deep their own central after the run that, that they had over the last four years. And then for you guys being able to kind of get that win in the NCAA tournament. Well, yeah, central had won actually three back to three back to back to back, you know, tournament championships. Okay, three. Um, yep. they, yeah, they had one, like, I guess the regular season went during the COVID season, I think it was, you know, okay, so that, that, that's what, that's what happened with that. But, um, well, either way, you know, it's like, they always say you want to beat a champ, you got to beat the champ. Right. So, you know, we, we played the champ the first game, you know, and our guys was locked in and, you know, we got, got to a 17-0 lead, you know, like, I can't say I knew the game was over then because it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of basketball to be played, but the way we were playing, I just knew it was going to be hard for Central to, to, to come back, you know, and they, they made a little run, you know, towards the end of the first half, but then we ended up pushing it back up and we won by, you know, 29 points or 30, or was it maybe 31, one of those numbers, I, I forget exactly what it was, 30 points, let's just, let's, let's just go that, you know, about 30 points we won by, so then, um, you know, we got the day off because, uh, you know, A&T had COVID or, or whatever, it is, you know, whatever the situation happened. And um, that probably paid dividends more than anything because now, for it, you know, it's not really about resting in the MEAC tournament, it's about preparation. Like a lot of times you don't get a chance to, to prepare in the MEAC tournament because it's like the games are bang, 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 you know. So right. to have a day off, you know, we didn't rest. You know, it wasn't like it was day off, but we had a day to prepare for, for Morgan. And I think we had way more time to prepare for Morgan than Morgan had to prepare for us, you know, even though that was like our fifth time playing them though. So I guess it ain't a lot, whole bunch to prepare for, but because it ain't like you coaches are doing a whole bunch different, you know, the fifth time, you know, so, um, cause you run out of things to do, I guess really, but, um, you know, it was, we just had more preparation time, man. We went in there and we, you know, we got to, you know, we, we did our thing early and we got to a double digit lead in the second half and just kind of held on and, and put the thing away, you know, so, uh, it was a great moment. And then, of course, going to the NCAA tournament, um, it was a little different in 2012 when I went as an assistant coach because, like, 2012, we were the 15th seed when we played Missouri, and we had a couple of days off. We had a couple of days to celebrate. We had a couple, like, a day to, like, Selection Sunday. We had a couple of days of media, you know, before we flew out. But because of the situation last year with COVID and trying to get everybody in that bubble, you know, uh, you know, people don't realize is that we played, like, at 1 o'clock, you know, or whatever, you know, and, and we, 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 by the time we won, and then we cut down the nets and did some media stuff or whatever. We, like, we didn't do any, like, celebration in the locker room, no water or anything like that. It was like, they actually, somebody actually opened a bottle of water and I told them to put it down because we got to go. You know, like, we had to leave and, like, our, we, 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 our flight was, like, 6.30 that night. So, like, we had to go, you know, get out of there, pack, you know, run around. You still got there drilling and running because, you, you know, you, like, you just won a championship, but... It's really like, you know, you know, go get your stuff and we getting out of here, you know? So um, it might not have been 630. Talk about it. It might have been like six. Like it was really close to the, from the time we won 
to the time you have to leave. You know, you don't got a chance to even tell your loved ones bye, you know, <laughs> like, you know, nothing. Like, you try to make arrangements, you know, for your kids and stuff like that and everything like that. And, and you know, you just just leaving, you know, you got to leave. So, um, it, it, was, it was, that was crazy. So, hopefully, if we're fortunate enough to win this year, um, it'll be a better overall experience. But, of course, you can't take away the experience from winning that game. Winning that game, you know, because, like, you could go back again this year and not win. You know, winning a game in the NCAA tournament is tremendous feeling because, I mean, you get a chance to take your, your name out of one side of the bracket and put it in another slot and, and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's the best feeling in, in the world, man. Well, I don't care if it's first four, last four, second four, whatever you want to say, you know, it's an NCAA tournament game and it counts as an NCAA tournament win. And as we know, there's a lot of great players, uh, a lot of great coaches who have never won an NCAA tournament. I mean, there's a lot of people that never even got there, but there's a lot of people that never won an NCAA tournament game. So, you know, we're blessed in that regard. You referenced the 2012 team, and that was a team that was led by Kyle O'Quinn, who um, was the first player to be drafted uh, out of HBCU since 1988. Um, got drafted to number 49 in the 2012 NBA draft, and obviously you had an opportunity to coach him, man. So he, was, he actually was at, was, at, was, was at the Coppin game uh, this weekend, and I had an opportunity to see him there. But, you know, talk about, you know, the impact that he made on the program and what it was like coaching him um, back in, you know, but what, what, do you, what do you kind of remember from, from those days, obviously, when, when he was there uh, in, back in, in 2012? I mean, Kyle Quinn was my first recruit here at Norfolk State. Like my very first recruit that I, that I got signed. So I guess I hit the jackpot early, you know, with him. So I mean, um, kept you around, huh? Huh? I said that that one must have kept you around, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I kept me around, I guess, you know. So I hit the jackpot early with him, and then um, you know, the thing with Kyle was that he was a, you know, we was his, his first offer, you know. I mean, an only offer, I should say. You know, it was like he was like this NBA player from the time he was 10 years old or anything like that. Like, that wasn't what it was. You know, he averaged five points a game his freshman year, you know, and he just kept getting better and better and better. And honestly, the game that we knew he was going to be a pro, like, um, you could kind of see it a little bit, but a game that put a stamp was actually against Coppin um, up there. Like, he had 37, 19, and six. And we was like, oh, it's over now. You know, like, like and this was like his junior year. Um, the end of the junior year, it was like a double overtime game. He had 37, 19, and six. So once that happened, man, we we I mean, we knew. So like that summer, he went and worked out in Vegas with um, pros and things like that. He came back with a whole different swagger. And then his senior year, you know, he was able to do some amazing things. And then of course, NCAA tournament, he had 26 and 14 against you know guys who was going pro, supposed to go pro or whatever the case was. You know, and he destroyed them. He was the best player on on the floor. But the thing that people don't understand is that. You know, like people think that that NCAA tournament like put him in the NBA. You know, and the thing I tell people all the time is that that just cemented him. You know, like he had his invite to the PIT, the Portsmouth Invitational. You know, top sixty-four seeds in the country. He had that back in January. Like people had already saw that already. You know, like so people think that he got all this stuff because of the NCAA tournament. No, I just kind of put him on the radar a little bit more. We had scouts coming to our game all year because of what they heard about in Vegas and then that Copper State game. And that Copper State game was on ESPN. Like um. Stat line, one of the stat lines of the year because of the, what he had, 37, 19, and six. That was like, you know, almost insane. That's like almost a 40, 20, you know, game, you know? So um, that just put him on a map. And then, you know, it's, it's great. To, I mean, for him and us, it's been a great partnership because um, obviously the success that he had in the NBA. And I, I know now he's, you know, playing overseas, probably, you know, finishing up his career, you know, or whatever overseas. But having him in the NBA for so long, because he was there for eight years, you know, um, that we were always able to, you know, say that you could, and we still to this day able to say, you know, a kid walked our, you know, our hallway and was able to make the NBA. 
you know, and not like a kid from 1955 or something like that, you know, like a kid that was recent, that was able to walk the hallways of Norfolk State and make the NBA. And honestly, I think a lot of people in the league, you know, use that, you know, because they, they can say like, yo, you know, you, you come from the same league that a kid just got drafted from. So why not come to the MEAC or come to wherever, you know? So um, I think it, it benefited everybody, you know, and um, I'm happy that, you know, he his career turned out the way it did. I think it's a great segue to my last question because, um, you know, you mentioned talking about, you know, kind of kids being able to make it to the NBA from the MEAC. And um, we just finished watching the, the NBA All-Star Weekend, you know, who showcased that, you know, the game between Howard and, and Morgan State, you know, uh, during All-Star Weekend. And I kind of want to ask you, Coach, like, what do you think is kind of, what do you think, you know, that kind of that game or kind of that notoriety kind of meant for HBCUs in general? I mean, I think that obviously recently, in my opinion, I feel like I've seen, you know, a little bit of a shift in the narrative around HBCUs, obviously, you know, Howard was able to sign a five-star recruit. Um, there's been, you know, kids like Mikey Williams is going to consider HBCU and things like that. And now, you know, we're on the big stage um, at All-Star Weekend, you know, for, you know, and the game was on NBA TV, TNT, and ESPN. I mean, three national media networks. Um, obviously, you know, you, you guys are the defending champs. There's probably going to be a good chance you guys are going to be featured in, in, in the game probably next year or in the near future. So, I mean, what do you think just about HBCU basketball and kind of the direction that it's going? You mentioned obviously having Kyle O'Quinn playing the league for eight years. Um, just what do you think about the direction of, of HBCU basketball and kind of the state, you know, that is at right now? First of all, I think we should have been in that game. That's first of all, I'll say that. <laughs> We're the first place team defending champs, you know. I mean, you know, shout out to Howard and Morgan who, who put on a good show for national TV. But I would say I think that we should have been in that game. Um, but you know that's for another another day. But um, I do think that has been other media outlets that have you know have transformed or started to transform HBCU basketball coverage. I mean, from the the Michael B. Jordan thing that happened, um, that I think Central and, and Howard, a couple other teams played in. That was at the Prudential Center. That was on TNT. You know, to the Chris Paul Classic when we played in. That was on ESPN and ESPN Two. Like I think that was they said that was like the first when we played Hampton that first night. That was the first um, HBCU game on ESPN, like like ESPN one. And like, I think somebody said almost ever, you know, like, or at least like some like long time ago, like, you know, when it first started or whatever, because if you know, you know, you know how it is, all of our games are either on ESPN you, you know, you might get a little ESPN two every now and then, you know, you, you know, when you're in a MEAC tournament, you play on ESPN three into the championship game, you know, you never on ESPN one ever, you know, so like, the, the, the game that we played on against Howard, you know, we were on ESPN one. So, um, you know, I think that and it's funny saying that because, you know, been there so many channels at ESPN before you had to say ESPN one, everybody, you know, do it. ESPN, right. But like, it's like, um, it was, it was, it was great exposure. I think, so I think it's more events happening. I think that the media are embracing having these events because the media has to embrace it too. You know, ESPN had to agree to put this game on, you know, our game with the CP3 thing, the, uh, you know, the thing that just happened over the weekend with the All-Star game, the, the Legacy Classic with TNT. You know, these media outlets have to agree on that stuff. So I'm, I'm glad to see that they, they, they're agreeing and they're seeing the value of having HBCU basketball on um, a big stage. Now, Coach, I have to ask you this. Uh, you're the first media coach that, we, that we've had on, on here. And after we had a conversation um, in the summer with Jeff Goodman about this, um, Basically, just about, about MEAC coaches and, you know, how hard it is for a lot of MEAC coaches to be able to move up and, and to be able to get jobs. And, you know, we see all these coaches, you know, from PWIs that are 
you know, getting jobs. And even um, obviously Coach Ryan Ritter last year from Bethune was able to get, was able to get you know, uh, UT Martin. And Bethune hasn't even been to the tournament in God knows how long. And obviously, you know, Coach Ritter is a great guy. We had him on here, so no, no shade to him at all. But, you know, why why, is, why do you think it's, it's so hard, you know, for coaches, you know, at HBCU to, to get jobs and to, and to get you know, um, other opportunities? And what do you think has to change in order for coaches to be able to, to get better, get more opportunities at some of these jobs that end up opening up every year? I mean, I think that, you know, just like with anything else, uh, we talk about the games or just the players, you know, got to be more exposure or more, you know, reality or, or understanding the reality that there's a lot of good coaches in this league too. Um, you know, um, you know, I would like to throw myself in that mix, you know, because and, and the other good coaches in the league. But it's like some of the things that we've done at Norfolk State, if we did it at any other school in the country, like, you know, I'll be in the Big East. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like, Let's just call a spade a spade, you know, like, you know, I can't, I mean, I got the fourth best conference record in the country, you know, but yet it's, it's, it's always a struggle to, to, to find, you know, and, and it's not about, and the thing I want to say, I'll say quickly is that it's not really about, I think for, well, I'll speak for myself. And I think that I can speak about some other HBCU coaches too. It's not always about leaving the HBCU, you know, or something like that. Um, it's about just kind of sometimes getting the recognition that you're doing a good enough job that, you have the opportunity if you choose to do to do that. You know, like you almost you almost want the opportunity to say no if you you know want to you know say no because I mean honestly I got a, a pretty good situation at Norfolk State. You know, um, you know it's like a it's like my, my baby at this point. I haven't seen it grow. I've been involved with every good thing that's happened in Norfolk State Division One basketball history. So um, I can't say that I'm like I'm I'm like chomping at the bit to like just leave. You know, you know stuff like that, but. I do think that um, I've done enough that it should be more more suitors, you know, to, and I think that other people in the league have done enough that it should be more suitors that, you know, because when you're, when you're chasing people that, that, that have done like a 10th of what you've done and, that, and that's no shade to any coach, you know, out there, I'm just calling it a spade a spade, you know, that there's some coaches that have done a 10th of what that I've done or, or a 10th of what Lavelle has done or a 10th of what, you know, Brodus has done and stuff like that that are getting these call-ups, like they're the next Dean Smith or something like that when, you know, we will coach circles around them. And that's just just straight up, you know, what, what it is. And, uh, you know, the thing that people say is that, yo, a lot of black coaches were hired last year and stuff like that. And that's that's true. There was a lot of black coaches hired, but there was no MEAC black coaches hired. And I say MEAC black coaches hired, you know, like, like let's, let's, let's call it what it is now, you know? So like, I think a lot of times there's, it's a triple standard. You know, I think that you know it's a double standard because you're a black coach, so you gotta already do more than what you so you know what you should have to do. But then almost a triple standard, like you know, they almost want you to get to the Sweet 16, you know, for me at you know to get like the call from from somewhere or, or something like that. And it's like, you know, first of all, we talked about people winning a game. You know, there's a lot of coaches that move up or get chances that never won a, a, a NCAA tournament game or never got to the NCAA tournament. All right. Then you talk about, all right, if you want to get to the Sweet 16 or something like that, you got to win two games, sometimes three, and you play the play-in. So we got to win two or three games before people start knocking on the door. That's, like, insane, you know, and stuff like that. And once again, you know, because I know some of my Spartan, you know, fans will see this or whatever, probably. You know, nobody's in, like, this super rush to leave Norfolk State, but I do think that um, just as a conference as a whole, people need to get more recognition and have the ability to even say no. Like, we should be in the room more. We should be in the room more because 
you know, I look at, you know, and I, I don't want to call any names, but I'm looking at somebody, some, another uh, coach that's having a pretty good year in, in Virginia. And, you know, he's looking at like a, a messiah. And like, who like, yo, our record is the same, is the same exact record. You know, like, well, I don't know what people are talking about, you know, so, you know, and, and once again, like on these podcasts, you know, I'm gonna keep it real, man. I'll be honest with you because, you know, it's just what it is, man, you know? Always. Like, Coach, man, I know you got to run, so this is going to be my last question for you, man. But um, you say you got to keep it real, so I'm going to keep it real, too, man. You know, my last year at yeah. Copley, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 <laughs> we, uh, you know what I'm saying? Y'all beat us twice in the regular season. You know, we had a little, you know, a little animosity there. You know, we beat you bad, man. We beat you bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, but it's it's okay, though, because we, we, we had one three straight going to that, into that MEAC tournament. We was ready for y'all. We was ready. We was like, you know what? We were about to send them home. That's how that, that that's what our mentality was. You know what I'm saying? So I was wondering, like, you know, what 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 would your response would be to that? You know what I'm saying? Because on my side, like, we was waiting to see y'all that year. You know, we, <laughs> like, hey, they they gonna be there three times. No way. All right. I mean, my response to that, I'll say that you know, sometimes you gotta be careful what you ask for. You know, like <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know, like you know, you got you guys. You know, I think yes, you guys. Uh, were pretty good players, you know, and, and besides that, I guess to see y'all demeanor, y'all was pretty respectable, you know, and stuff like that. So I always look at that even past the player, you know, like, is the kid respectable? Is he, you know, not a jerk? Because, you know, there's some players that were some jerks. There's some, some jerks that was on your team. I'd be honest, straight up with y'all. But, right. you know, y'all didn't fall in that category and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, we had some two pretty good wins against, against y'all. You know, two pretty, pretty good win margin against y'all. And, and let's just say that um, we, uh, when the brothers came out, we were happy it was y'all. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, look, luckily, luckily the, the game never happened. So, so, so we could, we could, you know, have this little debate for, for years. Yeah, we could have a debate, yeah. <laughs> we'll have a debate for years and years to come, man. But uh, obviously, you know, want thank you for coming on, man. I don't want to take too much of your time. And I uh, just want to obviously, uh, you know, Best of guys, best of luck going forward. Uh, best you. of luck, you know, obviously with the success you, you guys have had this season, man. And, and for you personally, just the things that you've done at Norfolk State, man, it's been it's been great to watch. So best of luck to you going forward. Hopefully, we can stay in touch and wishing you the best going forward. Except for except for uh, if you guys play Cobbman in, in the MIAC tournament. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Y'all ain't like that. Y'all ain't like that down with copy. Y'all ain't been there for years. So, all right, man. <laughs> Y'all ain't like went there for a year, man. Knock it off. <laughs> but, but uh, nah, man. Thank you. Know, once again, man. Um, you know, thanks for having me. And like, like I told you at the game, man. You know, continued success in this media world. I know this media world has a lot of similarities with the coaching world. You know, some doors that you gotta try to break down that. Um, you know, are open for others that might not be open for you, but hopefully you guys keep breaking them down and, um, you know, go from there, and, you know, and hopefully I'll see y'all on, you know, ESPN or TNT or wherever, you know, in the in the near future, man. So keep doing your thing, though, man. Yes, sir. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. All right, man. Appreciate y'all, brother. All righty, guys. That was head coach Robert Jones of Norfolk State, man. We had some great battles uh, with Coach Jones, man, over the year. I won't lie. There's definitely some animosity there between – Cobbin and Norfolk, man, but um, always me and Drew have always respected, you know, um, his work ethic, man, and the job that he's done, the program that he's built over at Norfolk State. Um, him and Lavelle Mullen, obviously, are two, two coaches that have exchanged success um, in March, man. Of course, my, my guy, Juan Dixon, um, has done a great job building that, that Cobbin program uh, over in West Baltimore, man, and uh, he mentioned Kevin Broders over at Morgan State, man. There, there's some great coaches coaches um, in the MEAC, man, and anytime you have opportunity to highlight 
um, some great black coaches, man. We want to do that. And obviously it's Black History Month, so, you know, definitely was was a fun conversation talking to Coach Jones, man. And um, something that, that I think he mentioned that, that is key is that these MEAC coaches, man, do not get enough respect for the jobs that they do, man. I mean, it's almost like, like he said, man, there's a triple standard. A guy like Lavelle Moen, who has been to more than one tournaments, man, has still not gotten a, a, a job, you know, at a higher level, man. And even him, you know, somebody who's, who's you know, one of the extremely high clip in his time at Norfolk State um, hasn't gotten a bigger job. But there are coaches at, you know, in other leagues that have gotten opportunities that haven't done what they've done. So that's something that has to change, something that I hope will change in the coming years. And, you know, us over here at All Facts Media, we're not going to stop talking about it until we start to see um, these things tangibly change. And so, um, again, thanks for to Coach Jones for coming on and for highlighting that. And we look forward to speaking with him again in the future. But now it's time for our favorite segment of the week, the craziest thing we saw, man. I know this is a major show, man, but I have to talk about the Big East, man. The Big East um, has been on a historic run this season, man. And obviously the last, you know, two or three days in the Big East has been one out of a movie, man. Obviously we saw the... The crazy ending to that Villanova-UConn game after Dan Hurley got tossed, which was completely bogus, I, I must say, um, to get tossed for – the first tech was warranted. And I know, you know, Hurley doesn't have the best, you know, reputation with referees. Um, you know, so the first tech I, I do agree with. But for him to get tossed after that, man, that, that, that was an ego thing, and that was something that you can't allow to affect a great basketball game that we were watching. Um, and kudos to my guy, head coach Tom Moore. I mean, excuse me, he's a, he's a uh, former Quinnipiac head coach, Tom Moore. He's now on staff at, at UConn, but him and Coach Kamani Young did an outstanding job um, stepping in and, and really rallying the truth, man, and being able to earn a huge win for UConn um, over Villanova at home in a rocking XL Center uh, out in Hartford, man. So that was that was that was great to see. Then the next night, you see Xavier and Providence play a triple overtime game. One was that was bonkers, man. We we, we saw a, a roof leak. Um, at the dunk in Providence, man, they had a little delay. I guess there was a bunch of rain out there in Providence, man, and the roof started leaking. They had to stop the game for a while and get that figured out, man. And then the game resumed, man. It was a triple overtime game. We saw buzzer beaters and um, an absolutely outstanding night. Providence now controls their own destiny um, in the Big East. Uh, right now with a two-game leader of Villanova, Providence comes in at 13-2. and Villanova at 14-4. and um, two games back in the loss column. Uh, Providence has two games left. They're going to see Creighton, um, then they're going to see Villanova. Um, and if Creighton should, if Providence should lose that game to Creighton, then Villanova is going to have an opportunity to win. Um, Villanova going to have an opportunity to win the Big East regular season championship if, if they can earn a sweep over Providence. But if Providence um, can take care of business versus Creighton, um, then they are going to be Big East champions for the first time in the history of the league. So, again, man, uh, I always love to see you know African-American head coaches winning. Ed Cooley is one of the best in the country, man, and had to, you know, give him a shout-out on this week's episode of the Auto Bid. And the Big East, man, it, it, it's 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 refreshing to see the Big East, you know, back to where it right, rightfully should be, man. My older brother, Billy Edelin, played in the Big East at Syracuse, won, won a national championship there with Carmelo Anthony. So I grew up watching this league, and I fell in love with this league, and it's awesome to see this league back um, where it's supposed to be, man. But it was crazy, man, seeing Hurley get tossed like that, and then the very next day seeing a roof leak, triple overtime game, um, Wild nights here here in, in the Big East, man. So definitely wanted to talk about that on this week's episode, man. But before we get, get you out of here, man, there's going to be a loaded slate of college basketball this week, man. So if you do not have multiple screens, I, I suggest you, you know, get to your nearest sports bar this weekend or, you know, go invest in a laptop or an iPad or, you know, some. obviously we got cell phones here. But there's going to be a lot of great basketball on 
uh, this weekend, man. So we're going to give you a few games to look forward to this weekend, and then we're going to get you guys out of here uh, for this week's episode, man. But started off with Wagner at Bryant, Saturday at 4 p.m. And these are the best two teams in the league, man. Wagner and Bryant, both both are um, two teams that, that most people pegged before the season um, to be the, the best two teams in the league. Wagner got the best of Bryant on their home court. Wagner going to go to Smithfield um, looking, looking to sweep Bryant. Um, these are also the two best teams, two best players in the league, man, and Peter Kitchen and Alex Morales. And I, I had to include my guy Charles Pride in that. These might be the best three players in the NEC, um, and Charles Pride and Peter Kitchen of Bryan and Alex Morales um, of Wagner, man, because both of these guys are special. Peter Kitchen currently leading the country in scoring um, right now. He's, he's on an absolutely ridiculous tear um, for Bryant right now, and um, he, he's probably the front runner for, for uh, player of the year in the NEC right now, but Alex Morales is going to have something to say about that, especially if they can win this game. Uh, but Peter Kiss, uh, we mentioned, man, is, is, is has scored at least 30 points. Um, and let me count this out. One, two, three, four, five. Five consecutive games, he scored at least 30, man. And that guy is, is on a roll right now. Him and Charles Pride are currently the nation's leading scoring duo. Uh, Peter Kiss is averaging 24.8 points per game, and Charles Pride is at 17.8 points per game with 8.4 rebounds and 2.7 assists. Charles Pride is a PSA Hoops Putnam Science Academy alum, so had to give him a shout-out. And my guy, Peter Kiss, who I played with at Quinnipiac, um, had to give those guys some love. But they have a huge one up there in Smithfield um, this week uh, as they host Wagner. Bryant right now is 14-2. and two. Wagner 15-1. and one. So just, just the game separates those two. If Bryant, Bryant should get the win at home, those two are going to a tie uh, for the for fourth place um, in the NEC, man. So that's going to be something to watch this weekend. Huge game. Saturday game is going to be on ESPN3 at 4 o'clock. So make sure you guys... Or tuning into that. Another 4 o'clock game is Louisiana Tech at North Texas, man. This is going to be a huge game in Conference USA. North Texas right now, we talked about before, um, is, is in first place in that league. But North Texas, but excuse me, Louisiana Tech might have the Conference Player of the Year uh, in Kenneth Lofton. Um, obviously, North Texas right now is, is three games up on Louisiana Tech. Um, North Texas is currently 13-1 in the league. Louisiana Tech is 10-4. and um, So, you know, not really any seating uh, implications here, unless North Texas completely, you know, implode down the stretch. But that's going to be a fun game to watch, man, to see Kane Lofton um, go up against that North Texas defense and see how they, you know, try to slow him down. So um, two of the best teams in Conference USA um, in Louisiana Tech and North Texas. So Saturday, 4 p.m., make sure you have multiple screens because you're going to want some eyes on that game. And I mentioned make sure you, you, you don't want to have multiple screens because another 4 o'clock game on Saturday is UNC Wilmington at Delaware. Man, this is going to be a huge, huge, huge game um, in the CAA because UNC Wilmington currently uh, is tied atop the CAA with, with, with Towson right now. Um, so they can't afford to drop um, any game. But Delaware right now um, is also in the mix um, in the Colonial, man. So they're going to be, be looking to to potentially creep up into the upper echelon right now. Towson and UNC Wilmington both tied at 13-3. and Delaware is coming in at 10-5. and so They're two and a half games back, so not really a, a you know game where Delaware can reach the one seed, but if UNC Wilmington drops this game, then they're potentially going to be um, on the on the two-line. They have to, have to play um, potentially uh, Hofstra probably in, in that 2-3 matchup, whereas, Hoff, whereas Delaware um, currently sits in that four seed. Um, they're looking at a, a semifinal matchup with Towson if things go chalk, but obviously we know the CAA you know, tournament rarely goes chalk, so... Um, Huge game, nonetheless. Two of the best teams in that league. Delaware was picked first uh, in that league preseason. UNC Wilmington currently is um, in first place in that league. So Saturday, 4 p.m., you got three games to watch. Wagner at Bryant, Louisiana Tech at North Texas, and UNC Wilmington at Delaware. All going Saturday at 4 p.m. And then 
a huge game in Missouri Valley. Another game that's going to be for um, a conference championship is Loyola Chicago. It's going to travel to Northern Iowa um, and face a, a hot Northern Iowa team, man. And this, this team is a team that coming into the year we thought was, was going to be a team that could contend to win the Missouri Valley, man. And, you know, they stumbled in non-conference, man, but they've really found themselves now um, – Right now, playing some great basketball, won the last three games, uh, sitting at 13 and four, tied with Louisville, Chicago, atop um, the Missouri Valley, man. So this 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 game right here is going to essentially be, you know, for the Missouri Valley regular season championship, the last game of the regular season for both teams. So it's a winner take all game. You know, the winner gets the one seed, loser gets the two seed. Uh, Louisville, Chicago beat Northern Iowa really handily on their home court a few weeks back. So Northern Iowa gonna be looking for some revenge um, on their home court. Loyola, quite frankly, hasn't been playing. Um, great basketball, you know, in the month of February. They, they've dropped a few games that they, you know, that they don't normally lose in conference play. Northern Iowa has the opportunity here to really, you know, make a statement here and potentially earn the one seed. That's going to be a game at Saturday, 6 p.m. It's going to be an ESPNU game, so definitely make sure you are tuned into that one. Um, huge game in the Mountain West on Saturday. Colorado State is going to go to Utah State. Utah State somehow still a top 50 team um, in Ken Palm, which is Wild to me because they have 13 losses, but you know they they lost a lot of close ones similar similar to how Providence has won a lot of close ones. We had a debate in our group chat about this the other day. Utah State nonetheless is a great basketball team. Colorado State with the opportunity to pick up pick up another quad one win. Saturday it's going to be a 10:30 game. It's extremely tough to win at Utah State, so we'll see if Colorado State can can, can earn a big road win there. Again, it's going to be late Saturday night, 10:30 p.m. And then in the MEAC, we mentioned two of the best coaches, man, and Rob Jones and Lavelle Moen. Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, those two teams are going to square off Monday night, 7.30. Central is going to go to Norfolk State. Central beat Norfolk State on their home court um, earlier in the year, handed Norfolk one of their two losses in conference play. So we're going to see if Norfolk State can can, can bounce back um, and, and earn a split here um, on their home court. Again, it's going to be Monday, 7.30 p.m. Another game Monday night is going to be, we mentioned it earlier, man, in the Mountain West. San Diego State is going to go to Wyoming um, Monday night, 9 p.m., man. A huge game for San Diego State because, again, we mentioned the predicament that they're in, you know, trying to earn quality wins to finish the year. So a huge opportunity to earn a road win against a good Wyoming team. Big opportunity for them Monday night. So then, of course, it's not March yet, but we got our first conference tournament kicking off on Monday night. It's going to be the NEC tournament. Times are still to be determined. I'm still kind of figuring out, you know, the matchups and where it's going to be because of, obviously, you know, the, the, the games that have to have to play out here um, this weekend, but that's going to be our first conference tournament tipping off on Monday, uh, quarter, the first round matchup in the NEC tournament, and then Tuesday we get the A-Sun and the Patriot League um, kicking off, so it's almost that time, folks. Seasons are getting ready to start ending, man, and we're going to you know, get our one shining moments here coming soon. Um, conference tournament season is right around the corner, man, and I cannot wait. So, Again, man, a lot of basketball to be played, man. This was a very, very fun episode. Um, before we get off, I want to remind you guys again, make sure you guys are subscribing to our content, man. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Give us a rating, five stars only, man. Hit that retweet, um, that like on social media, man. Share our content. Tell a friend and tell a friend about the auto bid, man. We try to give you guys the best mid-major content um, out here each and every week. So it, do, it truly does go a long way if you guys can support um, what we got going on here at All Facts Media, man. So... Also, man, last but not least, make sure you guys are streaming my guy, Pull Up Tay's music. It's going to be him on the outro. His, his music is, again, out on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Tap into my guy, Pull Up Tay's music. One of the hottest artists out of Montgomery County, out of the whole DMV. Um, this is going to be him on the outro. 
Enjoy your week. Enjoy the rest of February, man. As we turn the page to March. Be safe and enjoy the basketball this weekend. You beating on me? It's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You beating on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot. I'ma take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.